Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and I am all alone this week. Last week, Jasmine mentioned that her husband had come down with COVID, and guess what happened? Jasmine now has COVID. She's pretty sick, so you know if you're a person who prays, pray for her. Be thinking about her. Hopefully, she recovers in time to be back next week. Um, so you know, uh, sorry, Jasmine. Hope you feel better soon. Uh, but yes, this week it's just me. We have Bianca Crockham as our guest this week. She is running for Kentucky House of Representatives in District 9 in Western Kentucky. She's the second person that we're talking to on our swing through Western Kentucky. We got a couple more people to talk to. But yeah, her district is the other district in Hopkinsville. Uh, That also includes a big chunk of southeastern Christian County. She's a black woman running in rural Western Kentucky. Uh, and, And, you know, we talked a little bit about that experience, what it would be like to have somebody that looks like her serve in the legislature. And also what she thinks about education, just like Pam Dossett, she is an educator. So we talked about that and we talked about, you know, uh, what what parts of the Democratic message are resonating with folks out in the ninth district. So good conversation. Really glad we had it. I'm really looking forward to to the other conversations we have uh, just to kind of get a sense of what things are looking like out there in Western Kentucky this year. We have a good energy, I think, in Western Kentucky, a lot of good candidates running. Um, You know, it's going to be a tough year. It's it's always going to be tough out in Western Kentucky. But I do think we got good people fighting the fight for us out there this year so that's great uh during the show um one big topic that we wanted to talk about and that is the dobbs versus jackson ruling that the supreme court handed down that overturned roe versus wade what's the kentucky impact of that what that what what does that mean what were the reactions for the folks in kentucky how are things going to change so big uh segment about that and then just a few quick hits so without any further ado let's talk about it okay Certainly not news to you, I'm sure, but on Friday, the Supreme Court of the United States issued its ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson, which overturned the 50-year-old ruling in Roe versus Wade, which guaranteed the right to an abortion. So yeah, the right to an abortion is no longer guaranteed in America, and there has been fallout everywhere, and that does not exclude Kentucky. On Friday, after the ruling was handed down, there were significant protests in Louisville and Lexington with several Democratic candidates showing up at each, as well as abortion rights organizers from several organizations across Kentucky and just a ton of people. Both Louisville and Lexington had you know, protests that numbered in the hundreds, maybe even getting into the thousands. There were also several protests throughout the states. I, I, I saw, you know, covers of, of, of protests in places like Moorhead, Frankfurt, and Paducah. I'm sure there were others. Those were the places that I saw coverage of. But yeah, th- this is not, you know, not just in urban areas. It is uh, a ruling that, that received significant protests throughout the state. Because of Kentucky's trigger law, abortion ceased immediately on Friday at the EMW Women's Clinic, which is, you know, the only full-time abortion clinic in Kentucky. At the time, the clinic referred to the stoppage as precautionary and pledged to file suit to be able to continue providing that needed health care. EMW kept that promise and filed a lawsuit on Monday alongside Planned Parenthood of Kentucky and Dr. Ernest Marshall, who is the M in EMW. The ACLU is providing representation for EMW and Dr. Marshall. And, you know, the rulings about abortions since the GOP overtook the legislature in 2017 have almost always depended on the precedent set in Roe versus Wade. However, just because that precedent is gone doesn't mean that judges can't overturn the trigger law and other abortion laws based on Kentucky's existing constitution or, you know, existing statutes. There are lots of reasons um, why the trigger law may not be legal, may not be constitutional. So that is certainly something that they're arguing about. 
On Wednesday, today, there were hearings about an emergency protection order which would allow EMW and other clinics to resume abortion care while the greater suit about the legality of the trigger law was argued. We expect a ruling in that tomorrow. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, the 30th or afterwards, check, uh, you know, Google or, you know, I'm sure you might have gotten like a push notification about that ruling to see what ended up happening. Uh, I don't know yet, though. It hasn't been ruled on yet. In Louisville, some members of the government are saying that there could be, you know, direction to LMPD, the Louisville Metro Police Department, not to enforce laws about abortion inside of the city's limits. So Tom Wine, who is the incumbent Commonwealth attorney, and I don't think he faces any opposition, and I think he's up for re-election. So he said that the existing law to prove that abortion was, quote, not medically necessary, that is what it says inside of the trigger law, um, you know, that language is vague, that standard is vague, and, you know, it could be really expensive to prove in court. And, you know, uh, as the Commonwealth attorney who is charged with prosecuting these types of cases you know you have to use discretion about what you prosecute and he, if he says you know this is an impossible standard we're just not going to enforce it that could be what happens Greg, Greg Fisher said that his administration's lawyers were looking at the degree to which the city is required to enforce the law and Craig Greenberg the Democratic candidate for mayor went even further he said in a quote quote our city's police will not be the enforcement arm of a ban on reproductive health care unquote so just how this kind of breaks down like the mayor is in charge of the police department and and he can set what the police actually go after in terms of investigating crimes and then tom wine is the commonwealth's attorney so, attorney so he's actually charged with prosecuting these crimes uh you know crimes as they're defined by by the Kentucky legislature. Um, and, and so that's kind of both ends of it. So, you know, if the police aren't going to prosecute or the, if the police aren't going to investigate the abortions and the prosecutor isn't going to prosecute them, then, you know, we, we, we may have an interesting situation here in Louisville um, where, you know, I don't know what would happen next. Maybe we would get some sort of federal enforcement or state enforcement. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how that would would work out, uh, but but it may be something we find out about pretty soon. Lexington's candidates for office also weighed in on the debate around enforcement. So, you know, Lexington Mayor Linda Gordon hasn't said much either way, but David Kloiber, who's her opponent, said that he would prioritize protecting the streets and not towards interfering in, quote, life-saving health care for women, unquote. And then Angela Evans, who's going to be the Fayette County attorney, said, quote, I am going to protect the rights of women as equal citizens of the country. I don't believe this decision does that at all. It reduces women to less than equal citizens as second-class citizens, unquote. So an interesting situation where uh, in, in Louisville, we have a really strong statement for our candidate for mayor, the Democratic candidate for mayor, saying, you know, the police uh, will not be the enforcement arm of a ban on reproductive health care, and a little bit more of a wishy-washy uh, statement from Tom Wine, the Commonwealth's attorney, um, saying, you know, uh, it's vague, you know, we don't really know what we're going to do. Um, and then in Lexington, we have the Fayette County attorney candidate who's going to, you know, win that election saying, you know, a much stronger statement um, about how this uh, this ruling reduces women to less than equal citizens. And then Linda Gordon hasn't said anything. David Kloiber um, has said something a little bit stronger. So, you know, that's what's going on in, in Lexington and, and Louisville, which are the only two counties that have clinics that provide abortions. So, you know, those are the two places where it certainly is the most relevant in Kentucky, at, at least in, in the current situation. 
Many of the Republicans across Kentucky celebrated. You know, Mitch McConnell gloated that the Supreme Court justices he mostly guided to the high court were behind the ruling, including, you know, Neil Gorsuch, who um, took the spot that was supposed to be Merrick Garland's um, by holding the seat open after uh, during the Obama administration and giving President Trump the ability um, to nominate somebody for that seat instead of President Obama. And and then also Mitch McConnell, uh, he was he was a little bit more demure in talking specifically about the ruling. This was his quote: "Sometimes the precedent is outdated and wrong, and this issue was sent back to the democratic process." Unquote. So he didn't say, you know, Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. He said sometimes the precedent is outdated and wrong. He could have used stronger language, certainly. Daniel Cameron, who is tasked with law enforcement in all of Kentucky and is also a candidate for governor, he said that quote. Abortion is for all intents and purposes over in Kentucky, unquote. He said that on Friday. Um, his office is the person defending the lawsuit that's going on currently where the EPO um, will be decided upon tomorrow. But that is what he said on Friday. And then he also called for more adoption staffing. So saying, I guess, that abortion uh, will be replaced by adoption, which there's a lot of issues there, um, you know, around cost, around just kind of, you know, there's a lot there. Okay, Savannah Maddox, who is running for governor also, she said, quote, one of the greatest lies ever told is that killing an unborn life is a woman's reproductive right. The federal government has the constitutional obligation to protect both life and liberty, and now the states have the opportunity to carry out their responsibilities, unquote. So that that is an example of strong language, not the language that Mitch McConnell used. That is very strong language around uh, Roe versus Wade and Dobbs versus Jackson. Not surprising that Savannah Maddox is willing to, to say say stuff uh, that Mitch McConnell won't necessarily say. I think that that is probably how how things will go in the, in the near future, certainly. So we're really just entering new territory in American and Kentucky politics. Abortion is now a fluid issue, and it's likely that, you know, legal and illegal are going to cease to be the standards in the future. Some states are going to continue with the status quo. Blue states, Democratic states, are just going to continue uh, allowing abortions to continue as if Roe v. Wade was still the law of the land, while some states implement much more strong bans, and some states like Kentucky will ban abortion outright. That's kind of the situation we're here. I think the only exception is for the life of the mother. Some of the, the biggest opponents of abortion were on Kentucky Tonight last week, um, alongside of uh, some real proponents, some of our real heroes of the, the abortion rights movement. And but uh, the the people who are anti-abortion, they had said that you know they do not want to include exceptions for rape, incest, stuff like that. You know, Kentucky is is going to be one of the most extreme states when it comes to abortion until our legislature changes its mind. Um, you know, there is a need for all kinds of abortions. Uh, you know, that's that's legitimate healthcare as far as I'm concerned. But there will be states where there will be compromises struck. I'm sure that there will be some states where they put in place like a 15-week ban. Some that will probably have a 24-week ban. Um, you know, there will be different ways that this issue comes down depending on what state that we're in. It will not be a national law unless the National Congress actually acts on this issue, but they seem pretty paralyzed to pass big legislation like that, uh, at least as long as the filibuster exists in the Senate. So, you know, there will be a patchwork of laws, but it does seem like Kentucky, uh, at least until our legislature change, will be among the most extreme states when it comes to banning abortions. So that's where we are. 
you know, I do think that there's space in the near future to soften the ban on abortion to exclude to include some exclusions, especially since Kentucky law currently goes so far. I do expect that we will have bills to you know include exceptions for stuff like rape and incest or the life of the mother or uh, you know fetal inviability that that kind of stuff, which is not the law of the land. You know, I, I've shared a, a, about our story. Uh, you know, we we had a daughter uh, at the twenty week. Um, Mark, where it was determined that the fetus was not, uh, you know, compatible with life, and, and and Kelsey had an abortion. That type of abortion is now illegal in the state of Kentucky. Um, I I do think that there is some space right now to to legalize some of that stuff, and there probably will be a significant movement to get that legalized in the next legislative session. I don't think Kentucky, with the legislature that we have currently, is gonna move towards having you know elective abortion uh, at any point um, uh, it, until we get some significant changes in the legislature which is something that we can do you know we can elect a new legislature who does uh, see abortion as legitimate health care and you know allows a, a more you know liberal uh, standard to when abortions can happen um, I don't see Kentucky going back to the Roe v. Wade standard at any time uh, in the foreseeable future unless the National Congress acts. So there needs to be, you know, organization, um, movement, uh, an understanding that we're not going to get all of this at once, I don't think. So making space to say, even though this is not what we need, it's what we can get and, and being able to take what we can when we can get it. Um, you know, the anti-abortion movement um, tried for a very long time to make abortion illegal. And it really wasn't until they shifted tactics to being able to take um, a little bit at a time that they started really making progress uh, on this issue. And we are now staring at a, a world where Roe v. Wade is overturned. So they were successful. Um, and now it's it's up to us to, to change it back. Um, so so that's that's where we are. All right, so that's what I have to say about Roe v. Wade in Kentucky. I do have a few quick hits before we get to our interview with Bianca Crockham. So one thing that happened last week is that Governor Andy Bashir issued his formal endorsement of Craig Greenberg for mayor of Louisville. That's not a surprise. <laughs> They're both in the same political party, uh, and it, it is no doubt about it that Andy Bashir wanted Craig Greenberg to be the mayor. But Bashir gave Greenberg a very firm endorsement. He spoke very highly of him. Andy Bashir is really popular in Louisville, and I do think that that's going to help him. I mean, I think Andy Bashir is pretty popular in places in Louisville where Republicans feel like they might be able to do pretty well. I do think that they're really trying to, to do well in the south end of Louisville and the east end of Louisville. Andy Bashir did very, very, very well when in, in his election in those areas. He's popular with the people that live in those parts of town. Um, so any any help that Craig Greenberg can get from Andy Bashir, I think, is certainly going to help him out. All right, we talked last week about Louisville's budget. Um, Louisville Metro Council unanimously passed the latest budget. It didn't really make any changes beyond what the committee agreed to. That's what we kind of talked about last week. It's now the law. So Louisville has a budget for 2022. It's big. It's got a lot of stuff in it. A lot of um, American Rescue Plan Act um, funds are being spent. So that's great. Um, You know, a lot of exciting stuff going on in that budget. Greg Fisher's final budget as mayor setting us up for for the the future the success in the future lastly last quick hit the environmental protection agency issued a rule back in february which combats smog pollution by reducing emissions from power plants 
Daniel Cameron joined several other Republican attorneys general in opposing that plan, and he issued a 17-page letter explaining why. Yeah, Daniel Cameron is the attorney general, and he doesn't believe in climate change, I guess. I, I don't know if that necessarily means he doesn't believe in, in climate change, but it certainly means he doesn't believe that the government should do much about it. Um, that's really shameful. I think that's really messed up. Uh, climate change is an existential problem um, that, that really threatens life on this planet altogether. So, um, you know, the fact that we have an attorney general that's fighting against um, our country's ability to do anything about it is pretty scary. So, you know, that's that's where we're at um, with Daniel Cameron. Hopefully the EPA ignores what Daniel Cameron has to say um, and allows for smog pollution uh, reduction plan to go forward. Okay, that is it for the show part. Let's get to our interview with Bianca Crockham. Bianca Crockham is the Democratic candidate for the 9th House District in Hopkinsville in southeastern Christian County. Uh, she's an educational consultant and was raised in Christian County originally after being born in Florida. This is her first run for public office. The 9th District has only seen two Democrats run for office since the incumbent was first elected in 2006. So, Bianca Crockham, welcome to my old Kentucky podcast. Robert, thank you for having me on today. Yes, we're thrilled to have you. We're very happy that you're you're joining us. So, all right, just to get started, as somebody who you know has worked as a teacher, public service is something that you have a lot of experience doing. So, tell us why you decided to take this jump and, and run for office this year. Well, the reason why I decided to run was to address problems and help find solutions for the people of my district, and you know, and to improve their quality of life. Sure. Uh, yeah. And, and so tell us, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. You can join a nonprofit. There, there's lots of ways that you can do something like this. So, But what is it about like public service in the legislature that was attractive to you? I think just being able to be an earpiece, to be able to hear the concerns of the constituents and then be able to go um, to the legislation and be able to make their voices heard, you know, try to help find solutions. I think um, legislators um, have a huge role in um, Kentucky um, because the things that they do help shape the entire Commonwealth. Why not be a part of something so impactful? You know, we all want to make an impact. I know I do. Absolutely. Yeah. There's very little that uh, has a bigger difference on people's lives than serving in the state legislature. That's certainly true. Uh, And we need good folks doing that job. Definitely. All right. So the district where you're running changed quite a bit uh, during redistricting that happened early this year. It used to stretch kind of all the way north to Madisonville. Now it's exclusively in Christian County and includes a pretty big chunk of Hopkinsville. So tell us about the ninth district. What are the people like there? What are the issues that seem to be motivating people in, in Western Kentucky this year? Well, um, overall, I think um, the people in Western Kentucky want to see real change. Um, And by that, I mean, um, for example, I'll I'll tell you about each city um, that encompasses um, District 9. In the city of Oak Grove, those residents are most concerned about their um, pipes and water system, um, as well as, you know, widening um, several of their narrow roads. Um, in the city of Pembroke, you know, we know uh, we were hit. Um, I'm a resident of Pembroke. We were hit by one of the tornadoes. And so residents are still recovering from that, you know, still working together, um, but still um, dealing with that. And then the city of Hawkinsville, their residents are concerned about the economy and inflation like many of us. Um, talked to several families and many of the families I talked to were concerned. They really wanted to take a vacation, but are concerned, should we spend the money? 
because of food and gas prices, not to mention, you know, jobs. So they're concerned about many things. Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. You know, we have a lot of listeners in Louisville and Lexington, and they're kind of used to city governments that have a lot more, you know, ro- role in fixing the streets and roads. And, and, and you know, local government looks different everywhere in the state and some of the smaller cities out in, in Western Kentucky and in Eastern Kentucky and really all over the state. You know, the relationship mm-hmm. between those people and the state government and their state representation is, is, is a lot different. It's a lot more important. So it's good to hear you are already out there listening to those folks. So I did want to ask you a little bit about the 9th District as it relates to the 8th District. You know, nowadays, uh, after the redistricting, um, you know, Hopkinsville is kind of split into two. Uh, so, so tell us what it would be like. You know, you, you said you're from Pembroke, which is, you know, uh, I guess a little bit east of uh, of, of Hopkinsville. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, what would it be like, you know, serving with another person from Hopkinsville, which has typically been a city that has only had, you know, uh, one representative? What would it be like teaming up with somebody to bring the needs of Hopkinsville uh, to, uh, to the state? legislature? You know, I think it will be everything. I, I'm most excited because the other person running, Pam Dawson, is also an educator. So kudos to teachers. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say that we are the best leaders, but we are the best leaders. <laughs> so just being able to work with a fellow educator on uh, and, and work hand in hand and to talk to the residents uh, would mean everything. And I think that, um, just because our district, our districts overlap in, in a sense, they meet up. And so I think that, um, you know, as we work together, if, if both of us are elected, uh, we will be able to get more things done for our constituents. So I, I'm excited about the possibility of working with her. Uh, we work together in the school system. Um, we know how to uh, follow, but we also know how to lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Pam was actually on the show last week. So she and she said she said nice things about you, too. So that's that's good. Yes, it's it's real nice. All right. So you are running as a Democrat in an area that has grown increasingly hostile to the Democratic Party over the past couple of decades. Uh, So so, you know, what does it mean to you to be a Democrat in 2022? And, And what kind of Democratic message are you bringing to voters in your district this year as you talk to them? More than anything, I am proud to be a Democrat. Our party is by no way near perfect, but I believe we have kept over the years our focus. And um, what and what that is, is just basically benefiting um, and working hard um, for working America. Each party, I think all of the parties, whether it's Republican or independent, each party will ex- will experience ebbs and flows. But I believe we, the Democrats, have remained true to our purpose, and that is to serve the people. Yeah, so I do think too, you know, for the our listeners in more urban areas that may be a little bit more or a lot more democratic than, than Eastern or Western Kentucky these days, um, you know, I think there is kind of this con- conception that you know going to speak to a voter in one of those areas, they just hear you're a Democrat and just turn you off entirely. Is that something that you've heard, or is is there a part of the message that people resonate with when you tell them that you are a Democrat? The first part of your question, yes, I have had people kind of shut off, but not many. Um, many um, want to hear what I have to say and how I can help make um, changes for their lives. Um, and, and they basically want someone to listen to their concerns and not only listen, but act upon them. And um, if elected, I will be representing the entire district, whether no matter the, the party affiliation. And so it is my job to hear all of the constituents and to be able to do as much as I can for all of them. 
Absolutely. Well, that's good. It's heartening. Always good to hear that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done out in uh, rural Kentucky and in the smaller cities out in Kentucky for the Democratic Party. And it's always good that we've got people doing that work. All right. So Christian County's black population is larger by percentage than any county besides Jefferson, where Louisville is, and, and Fulton County, which is just a very small county out in far western Kentucky. The, mm-hmm. the ninth district hasn't been represented by a black person in a really long time. I, I couldn't find a record of it ever happening. And, and the eighth district, which is the other Christian County district, hasn't had a black representative since 2018. So what would it mean to you to be elected as a black woman in Western Kentucky? Uh, there hasn't been. I, I actually uh, looked it up too, Robert. <laughs> there hasn't been one. <laughs> and so you're correct. Uh, it, but if I were elected, it would signify that the voters you know, have confidence in me and that um, that I will serve them above everything else. Um, as a black person, it would mean uh, students of color would, would see their representation. Um, they would have an example that they could, you know, see, you know, that they could actually fulfill their dreams with hard work and determination. And as a woman, um, I hope it empowers women all over the Commonwealth to take a look in the mirror and say, hey, I can achieve my goals um, that seems so far to reach. And then women, as women, we are still breaking glass ceilings. And I want young women are all around our Commonwealth and even our nation to know that they can break those ceilings as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, the, there are uh, of, of the black folks that are currently serving in Frankfurt. Um, most of them are from urban areas and in, in all but and I think all of them are inside inside of central Kentucky, at, at least. Right. Um, and, and so I am curious, do, do you think that there's, uh, you know, a difference in the experience of, of people who live in central Kentucky or in urban areas in Kentucky uh, and, and rural black folks? And, and how can you bring the experiences or listen or, or you know, talk about um, the experiences of being, you know, a, a rural black person? Uh, while you're serving in, in Frankfurt? You know, I think that um, because I have, uh, you know, Hopkinsville is right there and it's not as rural as, let's just say, Pembroke, for example. Um, but, you know, everybody's needs are the same. You know, everybody wants to be safe. They want to be happy and they want a quality of life. So no matter if you live out in the country, you still need high speed Internet, <laughs> just like they do it in, in, the, in the urban areas. And so there are some things that are very common that we all need. So location doesn't dictate what a person needs, per se. Absolutely. Yeah, it is kind of it is kind of amazing, you know, that the, the needs are, are very much the same. No matter where you are, everybody's got to have a roof over their head, something to eat, and they got to go to school, right? And that's a that's exactly. a big, big chunk of what the state government does. And let's talk a little bit about school. So you know, you work in the education system. And you probably have a lot of thoughts about Kentucky's education system and, and the way that the state c- takes care of its teachers, in addition to the way that we educate our students. So if you are elected, what would you like to do to change the way that Kentucky educates its children? The way I would like to see Kentucky educate its children is by investing in their teachers. Our teachers deserved a raise this past legislative year. I think that the structure, the uh, the salary structure should be increased across the board. So raising every salary and then having regular increases um, for teachers. Uh, just like everybody else, you know, teachers are feeling the pinch, but we still have to take care of our classrooms, you know, have things in there for students, um, things that we don't necessarily get from our districts. So I would like to see the state invest more into teachers and incentives to be lifelong learners. 
you know, back in 2018, the state removed the requirement for a master's degree. Um, and I think this was detrimental. And I think it sent the message that um, this move signified that, you know, advanced degrees weren't important for our children. You know, we expect our children to show mastery. You know, as a teacher, you know, my job is to make sure that that child hits mastery. Um, we should want the same things for our teachers. Yeah, teachers are such an important part of the system. I mean, probably the most important part of the system. And I totally agree with you that by in investing heavily in our teachers, that, that can only benefit our students. So, um, you know, there are a couple of, of issues that the Democrats in the legislature currently have honed in on, you know, medical marijuana, sports gambling, expansion of civil rights and criminal justice reforms. Th those are kind of the major things that Democrats like to talk about uh, in Frankfurt and the, the, the things that are on the Democratic agenda. Do you think that those are the right issues to focus on or are there others that you think uh, are there others that you think uh, that that should ha have a higher focus uh, for Democrats in the legislature? Um, I do believe that these issues, along with, you know, some others are important um, to the economic fabric of Kentucky. Uh, each one of these uh, could prove beneficial um, to the Commonwealth. Um, so I, I do believe that these are right on target with uh, with where we are going. So, yeah, and one of the things about building the agenda uh, for the Democratic Party is that, you know, uh, like we mentioned, most of uh, the, the uh, representatives are from urban areas. And, and, you know, you did say that the needs are mostly the same uh, in, in urban and rural areas or, you know, the core issues are, are mostly the same. But, but just as we think specifically on um, how people's lives might be a little different, are there specific uh, issues specific to rural areas that you think uh, Democrats aren't speaking to right now that they really should be? Um, yes, um, I, I think my party should be concerned about food insecurity um, in rural areas, as, as well as, you know, high speed Internet. <laughs> I said it earlier um, and I will echo that sentiment because I live out in the country and my and my neighbors are cows. <laughs> I, we we uh, my neighbor um, allowed AT&T to put a, a tower. So I do have Internet because the tower is so close to me. Um, but everybody doesn't have that benefit. But the main thing I do think that uh, we as Democrats can do a better job of is focusing on food insecurity. The, the SNAP benefits were cut um, not by our hand, um, but uh, they were cut and um, so many families need it. Um, and with everything that's going on in our economy right now, I'm, I'm very concerned um, about uh, the remainder of the summer. And um, in the fall, as we get into the winter months, um, if eggs right now are two dollars and nine cents uh, a dozen, um, I don't see that going down anytime soon. No, yeah, that that's certainly true, and I, I'm really glad to hear you talk about that. That is a major issue, uh, and, and and you know just the the way that that bill that bill went through this year was really senseless and, and, and harmful for, for really no reason. And I would really love to get more people in Frankfurt that push back harder on that on that issue. So, you know, here's hoping. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, as as we get ramped up, it's the summertime now, but it w the fall will be here before we know it. And I'm sure you're doing a lot already. Um, how can people get involved in your campaign if they want to do that? Well, I've, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I am excited whenever anyone wants to to come on board and help um, my campaign, they can go to my website uh, to donate funds. My website is uh, www.biancacrockham.com. 
Um, if they would like to donate or volunteer, you know, we're, we're out canvassing now. Um, we are making calls. We're, we're at the fair. <laughs> we're everywhere. <laughs> and so I would love to have our volunteers come help support, uh, you know, my platform and, and help move this forward. I am just excited. Um, there are a lot of people around me that are excited about, you know, what's about to happen. Um, we love Christian County. I know I do. And, you know, I would love to see it continue to grow and blossom like it like it should. Um, people can also look me up on Facebook, Bianca Crockham Fork State Rep, or on Twitter at Bianca Crockham. All right. Well, Bianca Crockham, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. I had a great time. Okay, if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at MyOldKYPod. Also on Instagram, you can listen to us at the podcasting app of your choice. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a day. Just go to patreon.com and search for My Old Kentucky Podcast. We have a newsletter that comes out occasionally. You can get to that at tinyletter.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, we are part of the Dimcast Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week.